Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 46. Today, again, I'm joined by Nico Morales, a thing that's going to be constant on Monday evening. Nico, how's it going, buddy? How is America? It's pretty good. It's uh, sunny as always in, in Orlando, Florida. How's it How's it going over there in London? Oh, it's a bit gloomy today, I'm going to be honest. Like last week, I was pumped about the weather. It was fantastic. Ran the Paris Marathon, came back to London, the sun was shining. Today's been a bit grim. The first day offered about seven days, Easter Sunday, but there was nothing there. No, no life, no life in the day. But anyway, talking about life today, we're going to talk the news. Then we're going to talk some some talking points today. We're going to talk about the title race. Is it back on? Then we're going to move over to Milan, to be specific, and talk about Italy. And are Inter and AC as good as they used to be? Then, of course, we're going to finally talk about the Champions League. And that is going to be for talking point number three, game over for the episode 46 in the stat Monday. But anyway, let's start this fun with the news. So first up, John Terry and Chelsea have today announced that John Terry will leave the club at the end of the season after a you know a fantastic streak at Chelsea Football Club. Trophies won, you know Premier League titles, Champions League titles. He's been a great servant for the club. Obviously, a great fan of Manchester United. Missing that penalty in Moscow was absolutely brilliant. But anyway, moving on to other news, uh, Roman Berkeley has uh, sort of come out and uh, put a bit of a statement. In terms of the Borussia Dortmund versus Monaco game in the Champions League, he said every player was crying after the game against Monaco. The UEFA only cares about the money, which is pretty big for a player. We've seen Thomas Tuchel's comments after the game that he basically said someone in Dortmund had um, pushed the game to go on and he didn't want the players to play. But Berkey coming out and saying the players were, you know, obviously very emotional after the game. It's kind of one of those things where. Football is great, football is fun, we love talking about football, but emotion, passion and life is a little bit more important. Anyway, in other news, Portsmouth have been promoted to League One and Gianfranco Zola has been sacked, or has resigned, we don't know, as Birmingham City manager after a terrible spell in charge of the Blues. But that's about that for the news today. Let's move on to the title race. Nico, you watched the game on, on Sunday? I did. It was a it was a really exciting game from a tactical perspective. Um, as far as is the title race back on goes, I'm not sure. I still uh, Chelsea still need to lose one, and then Tottenham can be like within a game of them, um, or within 
and, you know, palpable reach of them. But in terms of uh, United, I mean, I couldn't imagine you being more excited. There was a fantastic defensive performance. It basically concentrated on the fact that many people have been claiming, yet not a lot of people have been actually paying attention to, which is Aiden Hazard's a very good player. He comes out of a sort of a compact formation and dribbles and, and, and attacks a back four directly, especially when he's put into those positions. But off the ball, he doesn't. He doesn't have that work rate. He doesn't have that intelligence to run in behind and make himself a bit more of a nuance. And Mourinho was able to readily identify that, whether it was through, you know, re, uh, you know, recent uh, analysis or, you know, his time under him and completely nullify essentially the entire Chelsea team. I mean, the statistic that they didn't have a shot on target for, you know, this is the first time in 10 years. That's absolutely incredible. So for Manchester United going forward, Though many Manchester United fans may have, you know, already accepted the fact that maybe they don't get top four this season and and Champions League qualification will come through Europa League, though you guys still have to play a lot of the big dogs, the defensive performance and the style of play that Mourinho has tried to instill throughout the season, it looks good going forward. Uh, it was absolutely excellent. Like you mentioned, Eden Hazard has been, for me, the best player in the Premier League, you know, playing on the break. The counter-attack is where Eden Hazard is so deadly. Chelsea have scored more goals than any other team on the break. Eden Hazard has had his hand in scoring those goals in 50% of the goals they've scored. They've scored six goals on the break, Eden Hazard putting three of those away. And he's so dangerous. What Mourinho did as well, he sort of tried and tested the, the tactic against Chelsea in the FA Cup. Basically put Phil Jones up against Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard, that game, I thought, only excelled when he was away from Phil Jones. Phil Jones completely did him when he was on that sort of left side of the pitch for Hazard, right-hand side for Jill Jones. Whenever he found a bit of joy, was usually near Chris Smalling or usually near Rojo. What, again, Mourinho evolved that tactic was, was pretty much to put Ander Herrera on Eden Hazard. Manchester United's system pretty much was a 3-4-2 plus Herrera, who was just undoing a man-mark job, and obviously it, f- it fell for United that it went man for man. Absolutely perfect, so good. Eden Hazard in the game uh, failed to get a shot on goal, failed to complete a dribble, only created a single chance, and completed seventy-nine percent of his passes. Nico, do you think this is the best way to nullify Eden Hazard by simply having a midfield man to man-mark him? Yeah, I mean it's it's a role that I think Andrew Herrera was was familiar with with his time under Marcelo Bielsa when he played at Bilbao. You know, they play a high line, they play aggressive intensity for 90 minutes, and they, they do man-mark because that's the way Bielsa likes to run his system. It's very compact, it's very, you know, defensively aggressive. So in terms of, you know, nullifying someone as good as Eden Hazard, yeah, I think it is probably the best way because right now he doesn't have a solution for that. And if he's to advance his game, he's going to have to. But at the current moment, I don't see him doing that. It, it requires not just, you know, a physical... Um, improvement, but also, you know, a football IQ or a football intelligence improvement. And that's one of the most difficult things to teach if you can't even, if you can even teach it at all. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, it was a brilliant move by Mourinho and, you know, especially after a lot of people were slating him for his lineup in the pre-match. What would you done? What would you told at halftime when you, you know, you, as Conte, you would have seen Eden Hazel getting man-marked by Ander Herrera. What would you done? Potentially you could look at pushing Eden Hazard up to being a striker, being next to Diego Costa, maybe even removing Diego Costa, playing Eden Hazard as the striker, or maybe playing a bit deeper. Nico, what do you what would you say to him? What do you instruct him at half time to, you know, be the difference maker in that second half? I think, you know, there was not a lot of connection between the midfield and sort of the back and that front line of Chelsea that's proven to be so dangerous. I didn't think Costa was 
anywhere near as prolific as he has been in recent games. So possibly taking him off and replacing him with other players. The thing about man marking is that you either look like an idiot or you look like a genius as a manager when you employ it. And that's because not only does that person who's man marking that player have to do an excellent job at keeping uh, keeping that player in check, not only when he gets to the ball, but making sure he only gets it in certain situations that don't necessarily pander to his qualities, but also the rest of the team has to do an excellent job in covering those positions and being dynamic. So bringing other players on that have similar traits to Aiden Hazard, such as, as Willian, maybe bringing him on a little bit earlier as well as uh, trying to accentuate the qualities of Pedro. They definitely miss Marcus Alonso and perhaps, you know, more fluid players that are not so static in their movement. That's what I would have tried to do. Maybe bring Aiden Hazard more out to the wing so that Ander Herrera was uh, in not necessarily the best uh, places in terms of defensive setup. They were somewhat confused when, when Fabregas came on, considering the central midfielder occupied the space that Herrera usually occupies, but they were able to cope through that uh, by bringing on um, Michael Carrick, who who did a good job of nullifying him as well. So I would have bring on, uh, would have brought on some some more fluid players, as I mentioned. And uh, but but you know that 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 United defensive system is is uh, becoming impregnable at this state. I kind of agree. You know, Mourinho was fantastic when he brought on Carrick. How potentially would have thrown Hazard up front, removed Diego Costa would have been a big big move. But playing. Azard may be up against Rojo. Herrera would have had to make a big decision there whether to stick with Azard or to leave him to the centre-back. Then you've got that sort of fluidity in that final third with William and so forth and Pedro. So it was, it was a real interesting one. Azard potentially has become a little bit of weakness for Chelsea. If you deal with Azard, you deal with Chelsea. Nico, do you think that the, the 3-4-3, in a way, has its weaknesses? And um, under Chelsea with you know Kante and Matic in central midfield, nobody really getting on that ball there that Hazard has become that main man and you kill Hazard, you completely kill what Chelsea are doing. I don't think it's that binary that you just kill Hazard so you kill everything that Chelsea are doing. But, you know, we've, we, you and I have spoken both pre-recording and different conversations about the, the weaknesses of a, of a three-man system. It's when those central defenders come wide to deal with threats that perhaps get in behind that fullback. You know, it leaves a lot of space in to be covered by those central midfielders and Conte and Matic are already doing um, uh, a lot in that midfield department. So w- when you when you nullify someone like Hazard, you've done a lot, but you still need to do other things. And as as great as United were, and as I've said, as I've spoken to their praise, right. Chelsea were uncharacteristically poor, and I think they missed a number of key players. So it, it'll be interesting to see how Conte evolves from this. I thought he was going to evolve at halftime and, and bring something different. You know, like I mentioned, bring on more dynamic players. But I wouldn't say this is the end. You know, a lot of Football analysis suffers from recency bias, um, you know, so it's that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 once again, I, I can't speak highly enough about what Mourinho has done, and hopefully, he continues to do that going forward against some of the better teams in the Premier League because that's what their run in entails. It's not small teams; it's big teams. No, it's big teams. You got to play Arsenal. You got to play Manchester City. You got to play Spurs. Massive games for Manchester United. I loved how Mourinho did position two forwards. Rash, uh, Rashford and Lingard did trouble Chelsea's back three that aren't used to playing two dynamic forwards. Very interesting. Mourinho really got it right. Whether it was resting Ibrahimovic or it was playing Rashford through choice, it was fantastic. And their uh, yeah, I would, I would say performance. I would say that was another 
brilliant touch was that if you if you bring Louise or if you put Louise against someone that he's going to be able to at least catch up to from a physical perspective, um, though Ibrahimovic may outmuscle him in terms of pace, you know, Rashford slipping in and out of that hole and 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 trying to to lose Louise through pace and, and attacking him directly in the certain situations that they got him through. That was probably the best idea from a tactical perspective that that Mourinho brought into the team besides man marking Aiden Hazard through Ender Herrera. I think that was it. It was the man marking of Ander Herrera. It was the playing of the two forwards that gave the uh, dynamic thrust through the middle. And of course, the Michael Carrick change that you mentioned before that was fantastic. United at the end looked like they were playing a 5 2 2 1. For me, I don't care. I don't, I, you know, United need to win football games. Marina needs to win football games. Tactical approaches are thrown out the window. And if you're going to play five at the black, um, pretty much four in midfield, one up top, whatever, doesn't really matter. But United beat Chelsea. In terms of the other title rivals, though, Tottenham Hotspur who blew their opposition away on Saturday. Nico, how impressed are you by Tottenham right now? Pochettino's style, his ability to press, his ability to play with the ball at the feet. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Players like Eriksen, Nadele Alli, and of course, Harry Kane coming back from injury. Aren't they the best, one of the best three players in the Premier League right now? Yeah, I would say Pochettino's ability to transition between essentially a, a Klopp team out of possession, you know, pressing very high, pressing very well, having that defensive solidity with the excellent defensive players that they have, and then against the smaller teams, being able to handle the onus of creation and all those other things makes them a very complete team, and and it speaks to his credit, you know, the job that he's done in such a short time at Tottenham. Um, but, you know, in terms of the result, I think many could have predicted it considering Eddie Howe's tendencies when he plays pretty much anyone in the league if he plays against a, a team that's more around the level of a Bournemouth then he might play right through them considering his affinity for a possession style but if he plays a Tottenham a Manchester City a Manchester United or someone closer to the top six he's still going to play that style and maybe get decimated through that so um, maybe a little bit more tactical maturity as you were suggesting earlier is needed from Eddie Howe in order to progress but you know we also have to look at the surroundings and sort of the circumstances that um, Eddie Howe uh, Eddie Howe is in as opposed to other managers in the top six maybe he'd do a better job if he was at a top six club but you know that's a different ball of earwax but in terms of Tottenham I mean many people claiming that they're the best team in England and, and that isn't necessarily the wildest idea out there um, in terms of uh, of the like I said the title race being back on hopefully you know they can keep at this pace and if Chelsea dro- if Chelsea drop another game and get zero points then I would consider saying definitely say that the title race is back on but it would be interesting to see, you know, Tottenham out of almost nowhere, catch, you know, getting rid of that lead and catching up to them. It would be, you know, absolutely incredible. It would be absolutely incredible. I know players that play perform so well. Again, Christian Eriksen, uh, Dembele, who misplaced a single pass against Bournemouth, which was fantastic. And Eddie Howe is a fantastic manager. Again, I think he should, in central midfield, maybe needs to have a little bit more aggression in there, likes his ball players, maybe needs a little bit of... I don't know, someone like a, you know, Wanyama in there. Obviously, Wanyama's far-fetched, but so forth, but a similar type of player. But Tottenham, though, it'd be so good. But we saw last season how they didn't capitalise on Leicester City's inconsistencies at the start of the end of the season. Tottenham just couldn't win those games. So it's going to be so interesting to see whether Pochettino's, in a way, his systems and his his maturity as a manager have moved on. You know, he has played this season sort of a, a 3-4-2-1, which has eradicated their Tottenham's need to press so high and be so aggressive because positionally the players are already there. They don't need to press so high. But in a way, Nico, one of the big things, well, are Manchester City completely out of this race? Because they are, they're floating around. They're winning these games. Kevin De Bruyne is back in form. Aguero's scoring. 
Austin <laughs> team maybe the massively, you know, are they a dark horse in this title race? Definitely not. It's between Tottenham and Chelsea, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, although City are good, we're, we're massively inconsistent, not only with our results, but with our lineup. Um, I don't think Pep Guardiola has even come close to finding his best 11 or the best formation or any of that because he's juggling so many things. You know, I can't think of another team in the top six that suffered such a traumatic injury. But at the same time, we have such little depth, you know, in losing Ilkay Gundogan, we lose a key member of that team. We lose a key member of that, you know, formation and the philosophy that Pep Guardiola was trying to achieve in his first year. So it's going to be good to see what Pep Guardiola when he hits the ceiling at Manchester City, when he achieves his full goals and, and sort of the, the things that he wants to implement, but it's certainly not coming this year. Um, but, you know, we obviously need to finish within the top four, and I think we'll do that. Unfortunately, though, when uh, you know when Guardiola realises Kevin De Bruyne is an attacking midfielder that likes to play on the counter-attack, Guardiola changes the system up. <laughs> when he realises Kevin De Bruyne is an attacking uh, midfielder. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ander Herrera will appear out of nowhere. Man mark Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne will have no sniff in the game and United will go on to win. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League. But anyway, moving on, we've, we've talk, spoke about the title race. It's still Chelsea's to lose. Tottenham do look, look like a dangerous composition. City are out of the race. But let's move over to Italy, where there's been some interesting, uh, you know, sort of games this weekend. Let's talk them a land derby. Nico, what do you think about the game? Yeah, it was a it was a really good game uh, from a viewer's perspective. Always an interesting one for me, considering the both teams with such animosity between them share a stadium. So which team is like home, which team is away? Um, but I think it actually builds for a great atmosphere. But you know, in terms of recent news to to AC Milan, you know they were recently sold by their most successful uh, by their most successful owner uh, Silvio Berlusconi to a Chinese consortium, just as Inter were um, previous to the summer, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so we see some of the perhaps both Milan teams returning to greatness. But in terms of 
on the field results or on the team performance, you know, returning to greatness. I think Inter are a lot closer, both under Pioli and and with the current players they have. They flex a lot of that financial muscle this summer by signing, you know, some of the players of the year 2016 tournament and Jao Mario and other players like that, and also getting Gabby Goal and, and even Perisic and and players of the of that such. I still think they have a long way to go in terms of tactics. I think in in terms of the quality, they're closer to a, a very good Europa level, Europa League level team. So possibly a team that Manchester United are are closer to. Um, but uh, <laughs> the the Milan Derby hey, was fuck uh, off. was <laughs> the Milan Derby was great. I think um, a bit of tactical immaturity from St- Stefano Pioli in, in in terms of you know he. He dominated the game tactically for 80 minutes, and then he switched to a low block and basically eliminated the press. Could have been also because some of his players were getting tired, but he he very, went very low and invited the uh, the the pressure on from uh, Vincenzo Montella's AC Milan side that switched their formation and went much more attacking, and they were able to squeeze two goals in in, in a matter of like 17 minutes in the last 17 minutes of play. So I think had Inter finished better in their counterattacks in the second half or or just, you know, up the defensive pressure a little bit in the last 20 minutes, then we would have been seeing a different result. But in terms of who's closer to redeeming their uh, status of, among the European elite, it's definitely Inter, especially since they've had the, the financial backing for a longer period of time. It's a, it's a real interesting one. Again, even Berega was um, benched, whether he was injured or or whatever. It, it's an interesting one for Violi. He went with, um, you know, Jao Mario at attacking midfield and it, Again, he didn't. He didn't complete. He didn't. He didn't complete that role near as well mm-hmm. as Benega did. So it's an interesting decision as to why he did that. But Jao Mario roamed and was sort of that central winger that he played almost during the in in Euro 2016 for Portugal. But he wasn't near as effective as as Aver Benega has been, or even Javier Pastore, who plays a a similar role for Unai Emery at PSG currently. Yeah, uh, it's just mental, you know, purely kind of going against what's worked so well this season, entering a bit of dodgy, dodgy patch of form, and it's it's weird that he he did drop back and did try and soak up the the Milan pressure. Milan, you know, they're, they're so far away from what they used to be, having like Delafeo, Carlos Bacca, and Souza, two Premier League rejects, and Carlos Bacca, who is one of the best forwards in world football. But it's a weird one how Milan have fallen from such greatness. Nico, how much money do you reckon they need to bring this side back up to the, you know, you think in the 2005, 2006, 2007, the Kaká team, the Gattuso team, the Pirlo team, and Brasidia. Like, that is a lot of money, right? <laughs> you need a blank checkbook. Because I think if you look at the players that they have right now, uh, De Lufeo is someone that I admire, uh, his potential, but it will probably never achieve anything close to that because of his attitude. He's one of those players that will... Uh, attempt to take on uh, centrally or, or on the wing, and then if he does it, if it doesn't come off, he'll go to his knees and just slam the floor like a like a petulant child. And that's sort of the player that they're attracting. While they have some good ones like Carlos Baca, Locatelli, uh, and other players of the sort, it's it's going to be a while before even not even just the AC not. AC Milan, but uh, the Milan teams go back to that European greatness, but also Serie A, you know, we've seen that they haven't been able to complete compete financially with the rest of Europe because Pogba was on nothing compared to the majority of, of Premier League players when he was at Juventus. And when, when you can't compete financially in terms of wage structure, you have to look at sort of the intangibles that can attract certain players, you know, trophies, European competition and, and the such. And and not only European competition, but I guess relevance within European competition. And the only Italian team that's been able to do that for a while has been Juventus. 
So, you know, they've sort of held the monopoly on, on excellent players that, that are going to come to that league. And so it, it's going to be a while and it's going to be a lot of money before either of those teams return to greatness. But under Pioli, I think they could do something special in perhaps the Europa League. I kind of, you know, kind of read that into this inter side is fascinating to watch, and I hope they get into the Europa League because it could be a, good, a really good avenue for the the players to sort of explode in terms of what you know as a player what you get from Italy. You get tactics, you get you get some fascinating tactics. If you're a player to evolve yourself from a goal scorer or a central midfielder that's bossing the show in, you know, in the likes of maybe let's say Paraguay or Argentina, for example. Then you go over to Italy, you understand the game, you understand exactly where you need to be in exactly the correct situation. So I think with the with Inter with Milan, they are far from Juve, they are the likes of you know, Roma, you've you've got some Napoli sides in there that are so, so good. So there is a bit of a, a time before the you know the Inter Internazial and Milan are, are gonna be closer to this great UV team, but there will be time. Um, but anyway, let's move on to some breaking news in a way, and that is that Arsenal have won a game of football. Arsene <laughs> Wenger in, everybody else out, DT out, uh, Arsenal fans troops out. in the bin, troops out and all this load of rubbish. But they won 2-1 against Middlesbrough. Alex Sanchez scoring the first goal in the grade, equalising for Middlesbrough, and of course, Meza Ozil with a fantastic little finish following some good build-up play from Sanchez, then Ramsey, then goal time. Nico, Arsenal, top four, currently in sixth position. Would you put your house on it? I wouldn't put my house on it, but as Lawrence McKenna would say, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> uh, Arsenal, though, they've got the games in hand on Liverpool. Liverpool have the bird in the bush already. Yeah, they do have the bird in the bush, and that's the unfortunate thing for Arsenal. So it's going to be a really interesting top four race as well as, I mean, it's kind of shaping out to be an interesting relegation battle race um, in terms of, you know, there's usually like two spots because I would say Sunderland are as good as down. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Arsenal still have a shot in hell at top four, but not a great one. I think they do. I think they do. I think every, I think honestly, Manchester United... Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. It's like a shootout for those two spaces. The third and fourth position in the Premier League is so fascinating. Relegation, though, Middlesbrough, for me, and absolutely down. They've scored the fewest goals in the Premier League this season. Probably, yeah. So 23 goals scored. Lukaku, on his own, has scored more, which is absolutely incredible. But anyway, let's move on to, of course, the last talking point of today's show, and that is the Champions League, because everyone else doesn't care about the Prem. They don't care about Serie A. They only care about the Champions League. And the big one on Tuesday night to kick us off is Real Madrid versus Bayern Munich. Nico, who's going to take the spoils here? Is it going to be Vidal or is it going to be Casemiro? Yeah, unfortunately, I think this is one of those things where the clubs are so big and the expectations are so high that success in the Champions League is basically defines whether that manager has had a good season or not. And unfortunately for, for Carlo Ancelotti, due to a, a somewhat dodgy decision, they need Javi Martinez. He's an excellent player. He reads the game almost better than, than, than the majority of players out there. And it's unfortunate to see that he'll miss that second leg. So I think Real Madrid will go through. It'll be the, the, the apprentice wow. beats the master. Wow. Zidane beating mm. Carlo Ancelotti. Not because of necessarily completely because of merit, but... Because Javi Martinez had a red card in the in the first uh, in the first tie. Nice, fair enough. With uh, Boateng and Matt Hummels both potentially out with injury, Boateng with a groin injury, Hummels obviously the ankle injury that's ruled him out for the last few weeks. It's going to be a massive game. Uh, you know, someone like David Alba, maybe he'll set, step up to centre half. Wan Banat might come in. 
I just thought that the the midfield battle for me is going to be brilliant. I loved it in the first leg. The, you know, the Thiago Alonso Vidal versus Casemiro, uh, Modric, and Cruz. It was it was fantastic. No, forget Ronaldo, forget the likes of Robin, forget Ribery. It was about that midfield battle, and again, the two ball winners in a way won those battles. And Casemiro was so so good for me. He's the best destroyer in world football. In that game, he won more tackles than any other player on the pitch. Was so good at winning the ball back. Was so good at doubling up on Robin. But in terms of this game, honestly, I reckon this is going to go penalties. I really do think this is going to go penalties. It's going to be 2-1. Penalties, Dave. I think it's going to be Bayern 2, Real Madrid 1, flipped over, penalty shootout, and Bayern are going to take it on penalty shootout. Nico, my philosophy, my thought, what are you going to say? I I would, like I said, I I think... um... I think Real has to go <laughs> like through. You know, they have the advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much game over. I mean, you know, we could see some interesting uh, adjustments from Carlo Ancelotti, especially seeing who will step into that. Because I, I don't think he's going to change up the formation all that much. He love he loves that four three three. His players thrive in that four three three. But in terms of who will come into to a central defensive partnership uh, coming next to to Medi Benatia, will be uh, it'll be it'll be good to see who who comes in and, and plays that plays that role. You know, if you if you wanted to go, I think it was David Alba. But if you wanted to go massively outside the box, Chabby but, but David Alba brings brings so yeah, much the, to that. This is the problem. But then why side. did Pep Guardiola play him there, Nico? As someone that <laughs> likes Pep Guardiola, why did Pep Guardiola move the best left fullback in world football to centre back? Please just tell me. I don't know why. It's similar to Philip Lahm. Why he moved the best right back in world football to central <laughs> midfield? I don't understand. Tell me honestly. Tell me what am I, what am I missing? Uh, well, in terms of what he ran at Bayern Munich, it was similar to what we've seen sort of mid-season here at Manchester City, which is like that three-two-five. And I think he, through a formation, he didn't necessarily see the need to have that much, like that consistent of an overlapping fullback in terms of chance creation, where the formation would just create that isolation between the wingers in the first place. Um, and David Alaba plays... Central midfield for Austria, he's shown to be very good. Philip Lom fit right into that role. Um, so I think they did a pretty good job there. I don't know why you're the thing, slate well, them. They fit right into this role, but they are the best two fullbacks in world football. Which you know, they you are. Think, they, they, are. They think about Barcelona on the Guardiola, right? The best thing they mm-hmm. ever had was Danny Elvis on the right-hand side, who they consistently yeah, Elvis, overlapped yeah. whatever wide player played there, Messi, whoever consistently was the outlet and it's so weird that he had these two assets at Bayern Munich I, in, and in it terms just, of it, it kind of like it's kind of like Thomas Tuchel being doing it yeah. too much I think, you know, I think doing Tuchel, it too much with these guys I think Tuchel and Guardiola if I'm going to speak to their faults like they fall in love with the 3-2-5 they fall in love with the 4-2-4 because it's such like an attacking formation and they love it and they love like the idea of putting like seven people up there, which is what like I, I we've I've seen City at, in possession at times this season play with eight people forward and two central defenders sitting on the line like on the break, or it, that that was our only insurance policy on the break. Like it's incredible, and I think at times like they fall way too in love with that idea of just like pure attack, um, and it can go awry. But I, you know I think you're right, but also those players did a job in central midfield. Anyway, though, it's going to be Bayern Munich 2, Real Madrid 1, penalty shootout, and Lahm is going to score the winner. Moving on to the game, let's talk more about pragmatic styles and more something that Pep Guardiola should adopt, and that is Leicester City versus Atletico Madrid. In the first leg, Atletico, of course, the one goal from the penalty spot, 1-0 lead into the second leg. To be honest, I don't think Leicester City have been doing an Atletico 
when they won the Premier League. Atletico have been doing an Atletico for the last three seasons. Yeah. They've got the yeah. best clean sheet record in the Champions League in the last few seasons. They've got the best, uh, you know, goals conceded as well. And, it, you know, you, the likes of Griezmann, the likes of Carrasco on the counter-attack. Nico, come on. This has got to be a Atletico win. Yeah, but you really can't. So, like, you can't put anything past Leicester because they're the luckiest team in the world. And at this stage, like, I wouldn't even rule them out of going past it because Atletico didn't variance-proof themselves. They didn't luck-proof themselves. They're going to Leicester City with a one-goal lead. The Only one thing has to go wrong for this to go to penalties, or one, two things have to go wrong for, for Leicester City to go through. And that isn't the craziest thing in the world. I mean, freak goals do happen all the time. Unlucky bounces happen all the time. Unjust penalties, Nico, bad calls. It. No, All no, these no, sort no, of no, things Nico, can happen. Nico, I've, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm sick to death of this Leicester City side. I'm sick to death I, of their I, away I fans. I am they go too. to I the Plata Medior and they trash it. They cause all these problems. They got yeah. the snakes on the plane. The Jamie Vardy's, Danny Simpson's <laughs> meeting the owners to get Ranieri sacked. Honestly, <laughs> I want Simeone to be dancing on that pitch at full time. 4 0 winners. Antoine Griezmann. <laughs> 4 0. Carrasco. I don't think, I don't think I want this to be over. I'm, I'm sick to death of this Leicester City. It's not a fairy tale. It's rubbish. It's yeah, over. It, 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 it's yeah, done. Yeah. This variance that they've they've seen this ability to to win games with forty percent possession. No, 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 no. It's it's no, over. No. It's done. It's finished. And this is when it's going to be done. Antoine Griezmann is going to grab a stake and he's going to stab it into Leicester's City badge, and it's going to be all over. Wes Morgan isn't been able to do anything because he's not quick enough. He'll have to and retire. Wes Morgan will retire after this game. I, I I hope so. Nico, score prediction for me. Score prediction. Um, I'll go 1 0 Atletico again. I'm going to go 4 0 Atletico, Griezmann hat trick over and out. <laughs> that has been that for episode 46 of the Statman Day Football Podcast. Remember to go and check out Nico on Twitter, Nico underscore O Morales. A great guy to follow, great articles. Nico, make sure you tweet your articles every single time you do them because the fans, the guys, the listeners want to see them. But anyway, guys, that's been that. Till tomorrow, we're going to be talking some transfers. Big transfer news on Tuesday, as always, over and out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, subscribing. See you later.